everybody, welcome to another bonus episode of the Echo Leadership Podcast. Listen, go ahead and get something to take notes on because today, Andy Wood is interviewing Levi Lusco. Now, Levi is a pastor, a leader, a husband, a father, a speaker, and an author. Him and his wife started a church in Montana in 2007 that is now multiple locations across multiple states. This is going to be an incredible conversation for us to learn from. Now, I want to remind you that the first business day of every month, we release our regular episodes that are all geared around giving you practical ways to get better in your leadership. You can find out more information about all those episodes along with incredible guides to help you at echo.church slash leadership podcast. That's echo.church slash leadership podcast. Now, let's jump in to this amazing conversation with Andy Wood and Levi Lusco. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us for another episode of the Echo Leadership Podcast. I'm here with Levi Lusco. Levi, thanks so much for hanging out with us today and investing in our leaders. Bro, thanks for having me. Such a joy. Yeah. So you you guys are uh, full steam ahead there. I know you're working on a book currently and uh, lots going on. I'd love to uh, start off and kind of go back to the beginning and hear a little bit of your journey uh, there at Fresh Life, how you guys got started, kind of how you you sense that calling to start a church in Montana. For sure. Yeah. My wife and I, we met um, in youth ministry. Well, she was an intern. I was an assistant to the youth pastor, um, which uh, we just fell in love with serving together and watching God work through us together in the youth group and every subsequent endeavor. And we always kind of had it in the back of our heads that one day we were going to plant a church. We didn't really know where or when, but we kind of were confident that God would make it make known to us when it was the right season. And I had since then taken a job as a teaching pastor at a church in California. And we were serving there in, you know, the amazing state that, that you live in and lots of people, which made sense for us because we've always felt a call to fulfill the great commission, reach a lot of people. And pragmatically living in a, a concentrated area like orange County made sense, um, because of the large vision of reach lots of people before you die that I know reverberates through your heart as well. That's why you guys fight to expand the church in the Bay area and keep reaching new people through platforms like this. And that was how we felt. So um, it didn't really make sense when God first began to put on our hearts to move to Montana and plant a church in a small city, because how do you reach the world in a small city? It doesn't work that way. You reach culture by hitting a, a big area, like Paul, he was strategic, Athens, Corinth, Ephesus. You don't, you don't go to Podunk, you know, and start a church. And then hopefully that's going to reach the bigger areas. But all I can say is that the wisdom of man is you know, better than the, 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 the wisdom of God is, is better than the foolishness of man is my estimation of how at times God will call us to do things that don't make sense because we've mm -hmm. undeniably felt a call to move to Kalispell, Montana population 30,000 at the time and start a church. And we felt that at the same time as feeling like well, we're supposed to reach a lot of people. And I just think God wanted to you know, prove that he doesn't have to do things the way that a sociologist would say, if you're going to do it strategically, this is how it's done. And, um, you know, so anyhow, we started the church and 14 people came the first Sunday and it slowly grew from there. 
But the irony of it all is we've watched God, you know, work in a global way through mm-hmm. a quote unquote backwoods place, you know, like a Nazareth. I think God just loves to use this, the simple things that maybe man wouldn't select and he chooses to use it. And that's been our journey and story. And there's, there's not a week that goes by where we're not literally ministering around the world to countries and every state in the United States through a broadcast coming from a place that most people have never heard about. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. And uh, I know that you guys, you've branched out. So you have like multiple locations in multiple states. Talk a little bit about how you made that decision to like move beyond your local area after you guys got going. You know, it started out, Andy, out of necessity more than it was like a great big master plan. You know, we just knew we wanted to reach people. We, we specifically felt like the constraints of our room we were in and we bumped up against a saturation in the area. You know, not that you've reached everybody for Christ in our, in our, in our Valley, obviously people move in all the time, but at a certain point when there's less than a hundred thousand people within driving range, either everyone's come has a church has been invited or doesn't want to come. You know what I mean? So we just kind of felt like, okay, not like mission accomplished here, but you know, we, we need to branch out to other areas. And so we started opening up other locations and seeing God bless those. And, you know, and then of course with online ministry and the ability to go on, on television and broadcast sermons, uh, we just felt like the heartbeat of Jesus, which would always be to other villages. I must go. And everybody would want to keep mm-hmm. him there. Say at Capernaum, mm-hmm. stay here, stay here. And he would always say to other villages, I must go. And I think we kind of had that sense of like, we reach an area and we and establish a presence, but God wants us to always have that heart for growth and, you know, other tribes, other nations, other, other places. That's awesome. Is with your locations, uh, how much of that is you sending people to those places versus people from those areas hearing about you listening to your, your teaching and then saying, Hey, I want to start a location in this area. We've done it both ways. We've, we've had some that we did not start that people just started like inviting their friends over. And, you know, one in specifically Pulse in Montana, we, we didn't have uh, it on our radar, uh, but people started coming and inviting their friends. And then they eventually outgrew a home, rented a facility, outgrew that, rented a little convention conference center area to hotel. And then, you know, eventually it was almost like, okay, we get the memo, God, you're doing something there. So we sent some staffing and, you know, rented a a permanent place for that to meet. And that became a a location. Um, But that, that is probably the exception. Most oftentimes it's been something where we've, you know, highlighted air like Salt Lake city, Utah, we feel God. I, I was in a shower, I was in a shower, not to be too graphic, but I, God just gripped me with, with a, with a sense of compassion for Salt Lake city, Utah. And, um, so we put it before the church and, and everyone rallied and gave towards it. And then we, we sent a staff member and a team and we put it before the church again, every time we would say, Hey, if you feel called to move and get a job, live in the city, raise your kids in that city, we're going to open this church up by God's grace next year. And so we've kind of done it both hand. And, uh, mm-hmm. and then we've also, you know, um, uh, done it where we did more of like interest meetings or worship nights and kind of just started getting gauging the interest. We do look at mm-hmm. where we have clusters of maybe watch parties or people in a large number of, um, cases giving from across a city mm-hmm. that we don't have a church in. So we've kind of done it every which way. 
So when you uh, when you look at like your involvement with that, are you more of a starter or more of a builder? Like which of the which of that is more natural, and what are you drawn to? You know, it's interesting. I think my involvement. That's a good question. I do have um, at my worst moments severe ADD where I get very excited about something and then eventually do lose interest. Um, but I also am like, I, I really, um, there's building in, in instincts within me too. And I think I've had to cultivate that more and, and, and not have the, the, um, you know, trailing off of passion of something. I would say mm-hmm. there definitely is the entrepreneurial drive, but I've also, I'm, I'm also, a really loyal person. So to a fault can even like, no, this is, we're going to stay with this because you know, this, this at one point was the thing. Um, but my, my, my involvement personally has also so changed because when we first started doing locations and this is, you know, 12 years ago, um, I would have been like on a Sunday morning, feeling like I need to mix up which one I'm going to for a while. We kind of played this shell game. It's like, you never, we never announced which location I was at and I would get up early and drive and, you know, be at one, be at the other. Even we had to like charter like Cessna planes to, to fly to the cities that didn't have direct flights to them. And, and I realized that it, that my presence in person actually mattered less than I thought mm-hmm. that that was not like a big win because the, then the next week, all the, everyone's like, well, when are you coming back? You know? And so it was almost mm-hmm. like it didn't actually help. And so we sort of just kind of had to be confident enough and, and comfortable in my own skin enough to say, Hey, I'm going to be at one location. It's going to be on video. If you can't handle that, this probably isn't the church for you. And so I think that was, you know, some of those, I burned the candle at both ends and the middle a little bit, trying to learn a hard lesson there. Mm-hmm. That's really good. Yeah, I think part of the challenge with that too is it's confusing, right? So people, their expectations are always messed with, but when it's clear, okay, we're, this is live, this is video, and that's what you're going to get, you build from there. And so, it really um, does empower the local leadership too, you know, that mm-hmm. they're not like secondary to me coming in, like that's somehow some big epic win. It just really, mm-hmm. then I'm able to honor and validate the local leadership more, I think. Yeah. And I, th- I think the other thing that it, we've noticed is people who they're watching the message on video every week, they're used to that. And then when you pop in one time and you're live, now all of a sudden they have to go through the process again to think, oh, well, this is what it's like live. This is what it's like on video. And uh, it's good. I- I'd love for you to talk about, um, so you're a little over 15 or 14 years in, um, talk about your journey as a leader and like key inflection points or moments that really shaped who you are and how you lead now. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, man, there have been such hard lessons learned along the way, realizing what I'm good at, what I'm not good at, where I help, where I hurt, where I add too much value. I think the biggest lesson I would say in a sweeping statement has been learning not to commit the sin of adding too much value of helping too much of, of, of having great ideas of always being, um, needing to be the one that speaks into something. You know, if you answer every question as a key leader and you always have the great idea, it really does cause people to dull 
what what the quotient of the ideas they're bringing forward because every time you know you're gonna get in and do it so why should they even bother and i think it really will drive away the best and the brightest who want to lead and want to run but need to be empowered to do that so realizing mm-hmm. like hey my my core competencies lie within ideation vision communication and culture and so really kind of steering that from thirty thousand feet and then empowering the people that um that and then giving them the authority as well to, to make their calls, you know, so it's, it's looked different ways over the years, but now I have a creative lead team and then an organizational lead team uh, and the creative lead team uh, is composed of four individuals and the organizational lead team is composed of three individuals. And those two groups I meet with once a week. And then obviously my own office staff I meet with for, from a life scheduling perspective, but those are the only two meetings I'm in every single week. And now, mm-hmm. you know, where I, I was before, maybe checking in with them a lot and they were bringing up every, you know, now it's just, I'm, they're keeping me up to date on what they're doing. And if they have a specific thing, they really want my voice in or, or to, to pay attention to other than that, they're really empowered to run the church and to, to lead and to make decisions. And, you know, mm-hmm. that's, that's been today where we're at. Are you meeting with those groups separately or all together? separately yeah because it's kind of a little bit different of you know what what needs to be and of course they're involved with each other and they're they're doing that Mm -hmm. but i'm what's i you know what what i used to end up doing was if when it was all together um so much of the creative side of thing which i tend to care more about that obviously i i have a background in graphic design personally so i love the art i love that stuff so i spend a lot more time in that than i need my CFO and my, you know, operations pastor and global online pastor to really weigh in on and then mm-hmm. and vice versa, you know? So yeah. that, that, that gives me life. I love meeting with our art director. I love meeting and talking art and, and whether it's a campaign or social media or marketing thing like that to me is my happy place. And the other side of it uh, is, is the necessary staffing HR, this, you know, keeping real estate, and, you know, construction stuff. And, you know, as far as the, the scaling of, you know, campus structure and upgrade cycles and all that stuff that to me is necessary, of course it's necessary, but not really where I want my artists sitting in on that either, you know? Mm-hmm. That's good. Uh, how many staff do you guys have at this point? Right now we have 45 staff and then four residents that are on staff at the church. Yeah. How do you, how do you guys do multi-state um, connection with your meetings and do you do all, do you do all staff like once a month or what, what are you guys doing for that? Every single week, there's a 15 minute, um, uh, zoom call with every single person. Uh, the title of that meeting is rage in a cage. Thank you. Smashing pumpkins. And, uh, it, it, we changed the format, changed exactly what's communicated there, but it's always some vision. It's always a story of something to celebrate, um, it might be having a few of them, everyone maybe got assigned. I think this week it was everyone got assigned to listen to a particular podcast. It might've been a Harvard business review podcast or some episode of something they were listening to. And then um, we would assign three or four people on the team to spend 10 minutes. And they, as a panel are uh, extrapolating on the value of that content from our organizational perspective. And everyone else is just listening and then in the chat, chiming in on stuff they got out of it and liked it. We found that's helpful. Uh, we've done book discussion groups. We've done lots of different things. I've done it where I preach 
an hour every month on a value or, or cultural item. And I've gone back through our, our core mission values and done whole long, you know, sermons on them and presented more like a polished leadership message. We've done Q and a stuff and we've just done it every which way. And right now we felt like we don't, everyone's really good. We've heard it. We've been sharpened. Now people really just need to run. And so pulling mm-hmm. everyone in every single week for a long, you know, you know, address isn't really at the moment. We're trying to keep our heartbeat on that too. And I'm trusting our, our lead team's instincts. I'm like, Hey, let me know mm-hmm. when you feel like it's a time when we, we need to come back in on, you know, maybe a different format, but we've just, one thing we've really tried to do is not be a meeting heavy culture unnecessarily and tie people's time up. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. So the, would you say that the primary uh, purpose of that meeting then is like vision and culture? Yeah, but it also can be housekeeping. I think that they've kept their options open on, you know, if, what needs to be communicated. Absolutely vision and culture and, and celebration. It's a great chance when you have everyone together to honor and recognize somebody, you know, for their, Hey, this was a win this week from our you know student director. This was an amazing thing that was done through our family life team. And this campaign was just, and so I think that's a real important thing to getting everyone together just to honor someone, tell a story, keep everyone excited. Yeah. You, you can't ever, if you ever get anyone together and talk about the what of the organization without there being some tie in back to the why, you know, you're beginning mm-hmm. to erode the, the vision, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, one, one, one thing that kind of switching directions that strikes me about you and Jenny is it seems like from, from what I can tell, you guys have prioritized your health, like with your marriage, your, your family, um, and knowing that like this season for a lot of leaders has just taken them through the ringer. Um, I'd love to, to hear you unpack, like what are, some, what are some key things that you're saying to yourself right now or maybe some habits that you guys have put in place that are really helping you stay grounded, um, stay healthy and, and stay focused on the mission. Gosh, that's the question, isn't it? Um, yeah, we, we like everybody in the country and the world have seen the whites of our eyes, you know, like, Oh, wow, this is my limits and they are real and they exist and we found them, you know? Um, so, but for Jenny and I, um, one thing that's really, well, is just, I'll, I'll just kind of buckshot. Um, I meet with a counselor. Uh, it was every week for a long time. Um, right now I just switched to every other week. And that's just me personally. I can talk about organizational stuff as a psychologist that I can talk through leadership, this issue, that issue, kids, parent, family, whatever, anything. And that's very helpful. I've also done um, a week long intensive where it was more in depth to really do kind of a, like on an engine, you would have a you know, hundred thousand mile overhaul. And that was that week long of three hours a day, uh, counseling was, was kind of to, to deal with, that was last winter to deal with some things that kept coming up. And so, okay, let's really work this, this stuff out. That was very helpful. My wife and I also see a marriage counselor as needed. It's, 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 there's been seasons where it's been more regular. Now we're on kind of a, let's we're, we're, we're at a good spot. And so it's more preventative maintenance that we would get together, I think uh, every couple months, uh, my wife also sees a different counselor and we found that it kind of helps for us to have someone we're in together, someone she's talking to, someone I'm talking to, that's been our rhythm, weekly date nights, weekly Sabbath, um, I- incredibly important periodic getaways with just the two of us, at least quarterly. And then, um, I did this summer, six weeks, no preaching. I've 
always done four to six, but this time for the first time during that time off of the pulpit, I also pulled away from the organization. Um, I wasn't being sent giving data, attendance data, staffing stuff. I didn't, unless someone was the instructions were unless someone's in the hospital or dead, I don't, I I can find out about it in August. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, for the month of July, I literally did not know the state of the union. And again, that was a message to our, our team on their level of empowerment. There is no approval. There is no sense of, can I, you know, so they're all, everyone's making calls and, and we've been really intentional coming back to not, you know, to use that as a, a reassessment of what our value is in the organization and what, you know, what, what it isn't. And so those are some of the things that have helped me. Uh, in addition to that, um, I would add in physical health, um, Right now I'm on, I'm back on, I've been on it for a minute, intermittent fasting, which over the years has been incredibly helpful to me for super productive mornings, because when my, when I, my body's not digesting food, my mind operates on a, on a much better level than when it's, you know, when it's not. And then Mm -hmm. I love thermal cycling, ice bath, hot sauna, and going back and forth. That's been something that's really helped me with psychological toughness overall. Mm Mm-hmm. That's good. Talk about the day-to-day flow of keeping yourself mentally tough. Like what are some, what are some things that you say to yourself? Okay. Very good. Um, well, I try and just monitor, I wouldn't say there's necessarily day-to-day certain things I I would say to myself every day. I always have the same six or seven statements. I always say to myself before I preach, um, which is when I'm weak, he is strong. The weaker I am, the stronger he becomes. And I always ask that God would help me to preach with clarity, conviction, compassion, and that I would preach like the, like it was the first time I ever communicated and the last time. And then, then that I would say, always say to myself, I'm the son of the King. I'm filled with the spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And I am as bold as a lion. And those things I would say to myself every time I've ever preached. Um, but daily, I think, uh, it's more for me about listening, stillness. I always light my fire outside, always write in my journal, always try and take a moment to either say the Lord's prayer or, you know, something like Psalm 23, some scripture to center myself, ground myself, always try and lift my palms during my, my, my first part of my quiet time, the the sense of Mm -hmm. open hands, open heart. So those are Mm -hmm. some daily rhythms for sure. That's good. How would you compare the the mental challenge as a leader for you the last 18 to 24 months compared to other seasons? Uh, A Russian nesting doll of terror where every single level you open, there's a new terrible (laughs) level to open up inside. Or like if, if let's say you thought you were running a marathon and you were like, okay, God, I just got to get to the finish line marathon. I'm, I'm spent. I'm just dead. And then you get to the last finish line and then someone hands you a bicycle and tells you it was actually a triathlon and you had no idea and you didn't even know how to ride a bicycle. And so now you're having to figure that out. And when you finish that, they're like, all right, time to swim. And you're like, I actually don't know how to swim. And then, you know, it's, and then you finish that and you get told it's a decathlon. That's, that's pretty much how I felt. <laughs> yeah, I can relate, man. Yeah. So uh, within that, you, you guys have made a lot of key decisions. Like you, you've continued to expand um, all that you guys are doing all over the country, like with these watch parties, um, and you've stayed focused on the mission. And I, I'd love to hear some of that. Like, what are some practically? What are some of the things that you guys did through COVID, through the season with your church, that kind of continued to expand the mission? 
Well, um, that's very gracious. There's also things that we, that aren't going well too. I want to say that realistically for every leader listening, you know, we have two campuses, we still haven't opened, you know, we, that we, we, we have, so there's been, there's parts of our organization that have pruned back and we've had to, you know, our, our staffing going into COVID was 70 something, you know, so we've, we've definitely pared back the organization in some ways. So our investment of energy is smarter. We have a lean staff, a hungry staff. You know, some of those were, were good things, some blessed subtractions, you know, others of them were just, we had to shift things away. You know, I think we all have to be responsible, budget at a level that we're comfortable with and, and be wise too, you know, so there's plenty of things that were, were pivots that weren't just like, well, this is so amazing. And, and money's just raining from the sky and people are just lined up to, you know what I mean? So there's, there's mm-hmm. plenty of, of heartache in the midst of it all. So I, I think it's easy. It's always easy to kind of have a perspective on things from the outside and to every leader listening, like there's so much about fresh life. That's not great. There's so much about it that keeps me up at night. And that would, you know, that is causing us to have healthy prayer lives too, you know, and God's blessing certain things. And we're trying to lean into that and optimize that. And, um, I'm putting more of my energy into, you know, than ever into our, interns and college students and our residences. I'm almost 40. I'm asking myself the question, you know, who is going to reach my grandkids? And it's not, and the answer to that question isn't just me preaching great sermons. That's where I'm tempted to put all my energy, but to focus on raising up leaders, giving reps to, you know, younger leaders, de- developing a deeper bench, bench, having a mind towards the kingdom. I think we're all crazy if we're not starting to think about those sorts of things. What does the kingdom of God look like a hundred years after I'm dead? And what am I doing today? That's actually going to move that ball forward. Mm-hmm. That's good. So uh, if you take like your physical gatherings at this point, where are you guys comparison to pre pre COVID like percentage wise, roughly I think 60 to 65%. Although we always have a tremendously bad August always because Mm -hmm. it's the last hurrah for summer. Montana is this like Narnia like environment. Everyone wants to be out getting their last couple camping trips in. So it's, I know a lot of times are you guys back in school already. We are. Yeah. Yeah. So at the time of the preaching of this message, not all of our school systems are even fully back on yet. So, I mean, until labor day, it's, it's really, you know, a crap shoot on, on that. And that's fine. I mean, we've leaned into that over the years. We've always like, said, Hey, look, if you're giving online, catching the podcast, amazing. That's I think mm-hmm. having a summer in a camping, you know, situation with your kids is you're going to not regret that, you know? So. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. We start a little bit earlier here. We, we get rolling mid August. So our rhythm, people are kind of getting back into it um, early August. And so it's um, it's interesting just to hear you know, I think everybody across the country is is dealing with that reality. What's fascinating is in the church situation, um, a lot of the people that are coming back are just a bunch of new people. Oh, so we have like sure. just as many new. Yeah, it's crazy. So, um, okay, let me let me ask you one more question. And in transplants, terms of, you know, people are playing musical chairs around the country too. So you know, like yeah, the, the new people we're getting from in Montana churches aren't necessarily from Montana. They're from Dallas or LA or Alabama. And they just wanted to relocate in the midst of COVID, you know? Yeah. You know, the other transplant that I thing that I think is interesting. I was talking to our staff about this this morning. I think that COVID gave people the excuse to go to the church that they really wanted to go to. 
Sure. And there, there are a lot of people that maybe they got connected at a church and they formed relationships and they got involved and they were there, but it wasn't, it wasn't the right vision for them. And I've just been saying to our staff, like a lot of people in our community, they may transition churches and that's a good thing um, because they did, there is no accountability, you know, physically in many ways for 12 months for us. So it's just, a, it's a new reality. You're starting with a different group of people. That, and then asking the question, you know, what does it look like to have someone who lives in Kansas, but considers themselves a part of your church and they're your, you're their pastor and they're giving towards the vision, you know? And so what does discipleship and formation look like? How do you best serve them to empower, you know, them to win people for Christ in their city? It's, it's strange. I mean, these were all things by God's grace. I mean, we, I started doing pre-recorded sermons that I would play on Sunday in 2009, you know, I, it's the first time I went into a studio environment and preached a sermon for the Sunday morning coming up and they would not be there physically that Sunday. So, I mean, this was, you know, I'm so grateful for the way that literally I've, I had 10, 11 years of that already being normative for our church. So that was definitely one advantage that we felt going into it. Those were not muscles that we needed to develop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really good, man. Well, I, I'm encouraged by your faithfulness, your, your teaching and your preaching always challenges me to focus on Jesus and what's most important and your faithfulness, your, your continued tenacity for the mission that Jesus gave to our lives to share good news uh, with the whole world is, is evident in you and Jenny both. Um, I can see a sincerity in both of you that comes across and it's, it's very clear that what you're doing is flowing from this place in your life where it's authentic. And so I, I'm, I'm grateful for you, man. I'm grateful for your authentic leadership, your passion for people, your love for Jesus, and, and you inspire me. Man, thank you. Well, right back to you guys, man. The way you and your wife are leading in your home and your church is, is fantastic. And just the, I, the story that you guys writing of, and rewriting and the power of adoption, and it's just an incredible thing. So I'm glad we're, we're connected. Awesome, man. Thanks so much for investing in our leadership community today. It's been super helpful and uh, grateful for you. Man, thanks a lot. Man, I love this conversation and I hope that it encouraged you and you're walking away with some things you can apply in your leadership this week. Again, if you want to find out more about the resources that Levi has available, you can find those at levilusco.com. That's levilusco.com. And we look forward to having you join with us for future episode releases right here on the first business day of the month. You can find out more information at echo.church slash leadership podcast. And you know, it means a ton to us if you would like, share, and subscribe if this was helpful to you, because we want to be about helping leaders get better each and every week. So we'll see you soon on a future episode.